Alright, welcome back to another episode of Rosen Balls. We're doing a lot of these. Um, obviously, I have a little bit more time, so. And, and they're fun to do. <clears throat> so, now we're going to focus more on the lottery itself, uh, potential trade scenarios and stuff is always fun, right? So, it looks like the top three is sort of taking it to shape uh, in the draft. So obviously, and this is not a surprise, unfortunately, it is crazy that Jabari Smith is going to go one in this draft. Crazy, okay? Over Chet. I'm not saying Smith's a bad prospect. If you have the number two pick, I get it, right? Like, you know, for me, there's pros and cons with him. For me, the clear comment makes me nervous uh, is the fact that he can't take his man off the dribble. That's that's a big deal, right? If you can't do that in college, why would you do that in the NBA? And he had a high usage, right? He had like a 29% usage. So for me, his ceiling, based on what I saw, is like a guy who could play a little bit of three, right? Um, you know, shoot really well and, and maybe be a decent defender. I see Chris Middleton as a ceiling. Now, that's not bad. That's pretty good. That's a ceiling, Okay, most likely to me is like a Marvin Williams. It's like a three and D guy. He could shoot. He could defend a little bit, but again, he can't create off the dribble. You're gonna have certain limitations. Can he develop that? Not really. Sort of. Right, and I'm sure you could be a good shooter and then take. But he's not the you know take the shot and then drive in, right? But again, if you're not doing a college, why would you do an NBA? They're quicker in the NBA. So. This is this is my difficulty with this Orlando pick. Orlando's playing this fallacy of the starting five, right? Where they have this, like, vision of the future starting unit. And they see him fitting in at, like, the three or four next to Wagner. You know, Fran Wagner, right? So, you know, they have Wendell Carter Jr. and Trench at the five. Wagner at either forward position. And, you know, Suggs and Cole Anthony to some extent in the backcourt. So Smith is a wing. He fulfills the need. But Orlando's not there. They're not there where they should even think about uh, need. When it's such an, a no-brainer with who the number one player coming out is. Again, we've talked about the San Nasi. Chad Holmgren is an unequivocal number one guy. Okay? This is Luka 2.0. It's a superstar league. If you have a chance to get a guy like that, you do it. This is not a knock on Smith. He can still be solid. And the pick doesn't look so bad if it's number two. But at number one, you take Chet. You take the guy who's 7'2 and has no flaws in his game. And we've seen it time and time and again in NBA history, right? If you're real thin, you tend to bulk up. The only guy that has it in a real, real wings like Brandon Ingram. But if you're a big, you will... Uh, you will bulk up, right? So, so that's the first. That's the first thing, right? Just pretty ridiculous that uh, that that's the case. The second issue, um, uh, Orlando's gonna pay. This is gonna be like, okay, so he's gonna start a little dynasty and then the good shit. The bigger question to me is what's gonna happen around four and, and seven. So those are the two. Trade destinations. And again, the top three, by the way. Chet's definitely going to OKC. 
I think, ends this tank and starts developing a little bit and have his chance to be Memphis 2.0. The three is going to be Paulo Boncaro. You know, again, I, I said my mixed feelings, but he actually does fit uh, long-term on Houston. They already have their guards. Here's a Ford. I know it's not about fit, but I get that. Keegan Murray would make sense there, too. So now the question becomes Sacramento at four. So, uh, look, there's very few uh, sellers. So if you're, this is a seller's market, right? If you're Detroit, you start gauging around Grant. Grant's not going to get you four. Can Grant get you seven? I think he can come close, right? I think if you're Detroit and you could start doing Grant and something of interest, as a Stewart or something, you could start sniffing around seven. Right, Portland needs to satisfy Dame. I think they do something there at seven. That's not going to get you four. Sacramento's not even that silly to do that. Uh, so your choice of Sacramento are, do you draft a guy, hope he shows flashes to move him at the deadline? That usually doesn't work. Okay? Like, you have to sacrifice to do that, right? And I don't think Sacramento wants to do that. Their GM, <coughs> who's on the last year of his deal, needs to make the playoffs, okay? And, you know, moving the four pick, he's got to get an impact player. So in my mind, you know, Danny Ainge smells blood, and I think Utah and Sacramento engage in an aggressive deal. He's going to have to strong arm Sacramento. He's going to have to get a haul. This is a chance for Utah to really get max assets, you're dealing with a desperate GM who's not going to be as worried as future picks because he's going to need a contract extension to get there and a team that's just so hungry for postseason play. I don't think Gobert and Sabonis work, but I think Donovan Mitchell does. And I think he's going to try to get, try to replenish Utah's war chest. This is my prediction. So... And that's the only deal out there. There's no other impact player you're going to get for the four, right? Maybe Philadelphia, you know, gladly give you Tobias Harris, but I don't know why you do that if you're Sacramento. And again, not not the greatest fit. And I think Mitchell's the name, and he can at least sell. Even if they don't win, he can blame it on the coach again because he got talent. I gave you Fox, Mitchell, and Sabonis. That's a worthy big three. If injuries happen, he can blame it on injuries. But at least he could say, I put the talent there. And that's really the job of the GM, right? So my prediction, if I'm Danny Ainge, it starts, I get the fourth pick. Uh, give me Harrison Barnes and Davian Mitchell. And now I'm talking about future picks, okay? I need an additional first, okay, maybe in 20... 24, right? That's going to be the next time. And we need swap options, right? Swap option to 23, okay? And I think he could even get more than that. It wouldn't shock me if he's able to get two firsts, right? So it could be the 2024 first and the 2026 first. I think he, he's, he's able to do that. I think that's what ultimately the deal is. And I think he gets Barnes in that deal. Now, Sacramento might be like, shit. I want to ensure I make the playoffs. Barnes actually matters, right? He's a win-now talent. Ainge realizes Barnes is super tradable. He's going to be nearby expiring. Uh, he's a guy a lot of teams were interested in. I could dangle him at the deadline 
and get more assets from him, more future picks or what have you. So I could see the negotiation being around Barnes with Utah not wanting to move him, or sorry, Utah wanting to get him, and ultimately Ainge being like, fine, give me the two future first, Mitchell, potential pick swap, maybe there's a pick swap in there, okay, the four pick, and I'll take Holmes instead of Barnes. And I think Sacramento ultimately does that because they could roll with, you know, Sabonis, Barnes, Mitchell, and, and Fox. And then, you know, free agency signing and, and you know, vets and MLEs just to kind of round out that roster. And at your Monty McNair, that looks a lot better. But that's... And Mitchell signed long-term, like he's, he's going to be there. So that to me just sounds more likely and a win for Utah. I think if, you know, we saw Holiday win for four first, but again, they're late first. But if you're going to get a quality first and two other first, and he's going to want to remove protection on it, because again, like this experiment with, so Sacramento's going to say, well, playoff team, what, 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 do, what do the picks matter? Angels going to be like, that's a good chance that he doesn't make the playoffs, right? I mean, Sabonis has been hurt a little bit in the past. Fox for sure has been hurt. So, I like their, their odds there. The sad part about all of this, just in retrospect about Sacramento, if Sacramento had done it right, okay, and they just, you know, moved Fox instead of Halliburton, they just kept Halliburton, right? Let's say they go to this trade deadline, they don't do the Sabonis deal at all. They would just be better. They just be better in a better spot, right? They had a lot more options, right? Maybe they could move up and take a chance at Chet. Maybe they move Fox to a team like the Knicks or whatever, and, and, and try to get another pick at expirings, right? They, they they have plenty of opportunity, but they really just truncated the window tremendously. And look, Fox Mitchell. Let's say it's Barnes. I don't know, you could throw Mo Harkless in the lineup just to be like the 3 and D fifth man. And, and Sabonis, if that team is healthy, they should get to the play-in for sure and be a low playoff seed. And that might be enough for McNair to get an extension. And the comparison that GMs look at, and this is the problem with the NBA right now, the problem with the NBA, I think, is that Chicago's GM, Ar- Arturus, right? Arturus, <coughs> got extended. And I think a lot of GMs look at that, and he did a bunch of win-now moves. They weren't great. The fit wasn't there, but they had talent. Levine's the third guy, and then he gets extended, and he also gets awards for executive of the year. Ridiculous. Because Chicago was, you know, out of the ashes, and they moved up, and they got DeRozan, free agency, and all that. So, again, if you're Sacramento, Monty McNair is only looking out for Monty McNair. So, if he could get Mitchell, the team was like, wow, he did a deal, and they... Let's say they elevate, to, they flip with Utah. They're the six, and they lose in the first round in six games. He probably gets extended. And that's all he cares about. I think he needs to get, he needs to get that extension. And that's, that's the worry, and that's the, the annoying thing, right? Like, I think people, the teams that are going to rebuild are only the GMs that have job security. So Ainge is willing to look long, long haul. Maybe R.C. Buford in, in San Antonio. But the problem with Sacramento right now... The, the, what's worse than a desperate coach is a desperate GM because he doesn't care about future picks. They don't mean anything to him. Ownership cares a little bit, but he can convince them. 
And that's going to be it. I think that's all he cares about.